Okay. So I'd like to start, start with a, just a little shop talk. Um, I think it worked really well last week. You can add questions to the chat box um, as the class is going. And if I can answer in the middle of the class, I will. If not, I will try to get to it um, at the end of the class. So I think that worked really well from yesterday. Um, so after every class, um, if you usually that evening, I will have um, the recording on YouTube. You can get that recording if you go to my Instagram, it will be the link in the bio. And then the following week when I send, guys, did you get the reminder email? Can we talk about how cool that was? Um, that is like, for me is like unbelievable because I'm really not tech savvy. So figuring out how to do that, obviously with my husband's help um, was very cool. So I want you to be able to get a reminder and have the link right into your email. So um, it is as easy as possible for you. So hopefully when I send that reminder, I will also send a link to the recording. Um, but it, and you don't even have to go, you could just search on YouTube, Javi Brook, and hopefully that Tanya class will come up. Um, the other thing is that I know when I sent out the first invitation, Zoom gives you like a six to eight week block basically, and then you have to renew it. So I, I feel like some of you think that this is gonna be like a six to eight week course. Um, it could be, but if we wanna get through the Tanya, I plan on having this as a continuous class and whoever can join, I'm thrilled. And if we can get through the Tanya together, I think that will be a huge accomplishment. So I don't want you to think that it's ending in six to eight weeks. It's just, I'm just gonna renew the Zoom and it's just gonna keep on continuing until we're done. Um, so I just wanted to let you guys know. And then someone just chatted, if I can let them know what pages we're learning. Um, um, I will tell you that we're learning chapter two um, cause it's not, I'm not really doing it as a text-based class, but everything we're learning today is from chapter two. And if you like to read it in the text, chapter two is what you should read. Um, okay. We're ready to start. So last week, um, we talked about the, the, really, if you take the crux of what we were learning last week, we have a question. The question is what is perfection? And is it attainable, right? We have this big bad word, perfection. And the Tanya says, guess what? You made a promise, your soul made a promise when it was born to be perfect, to be a tzaddik. And that brings up a whole host of things. So in order to answer that question, we introduce the fact that there are three types of people and perfection means something different for each of those people, right? So we touched upon, remember, later in chapters like 10, 11, 12, that's when we're really gonna get into depth about understanding what a tzaddik is, what a Russia is, what a Benini. Remember, we're not translating tzaddik as perfect and Russia at, or righteous and Russia as, as wicked, because that does not do it justice. So we are, in this class, gonna be saying tzaddik and Russia. So we know that tzaddik, what's a tzaddik? He has perfect insides and perfect outsides. His perfect insides are he has, he has no conflict, no negative impulses. Remember we talked about like, if you wanna see if you're a tzaddik, act on every single impulse and see what comes out, right? Um, so he does, doesn't have any of that. And to that effect, his actions are perfect, right? Is that something that we're trying to do? No, okay? We talked about the fact that a tzaddik is usually chosen and, and born that way. Yes, there's exceptions, but there's the special souls that are meant to be tzaddikim. That is not our goal. We spoke about briefly a benani. What's a benani? That he has a conflicting insides, but he's perfect, but he's perfect behavior. Okay. And then uh, Russia is somebody who's in the struggle. Sometimes he's acting godly and sometimes he's not. So we, last week we said, well, okay, so in order to understand more about these three categories of people, what do we have to understand first? We have to understand the fact that we have two souls, okay? We have two souls. We have a godly soul and we have an animal soul. What did we really delve into last week was the animal soul, right? The animal soul, what's his modus operandi? What is his goal is self-preservation right? He wants to stay alive. He's completely selfish, not selfish in an 
immoral, negative way, it's amoral, right? He's selfish in the sense that he just wants to stay alive and, and nothing is going to get in the way of that. That's his whole, right? It, the animal souls are life force. Okay. So this week in chapter two, we're going to discuss and delve into more about our godly soul. What, what is this godly soul? Where does it come from? And how do we deal with it? Now, why did we talk about the animal soul first? Because actually we get our animal soul first because our animal soul is all about livelihood, right? It gives us life. We actually get our animal soul first. Now you get your neshama, you get your godly soul pretty soon after, but it's a process. And your godly soul, and we're going to touch upon this a little bit later, your godly soul is not really fully integrated into your body until bar and bat mitzvah, when a girl turns 12 and a boy turns 13. So we're going to talk about this later, but your um, animal soul has a little bit of a leg up, right? It gets to integrate into your body way faster and way, you know, gets more comfortable for a lot longer than your, your godly soul even has a chance. So this is what we're working with. We need to know, like, what are we working with here? And why sometimes is it so hard to connect with our godly soul? And it feels like it's going against our nature to go, go with our godly soul. But what we're going to begin to understand more and more in the Tanya is that really our godly soul is our nature, but our animal soul is our default mode. Our default mode is always going to be animalistic, but our intrinsic nature of who we are is godly. And we're going to understand more about that as we go along the Tanya. Okay. So if the animal soul is abject selfishness, the godly soul is the exact opposite and it is abject selflessness. Okay. The entire purpose and goal of the animal soul is to not exist. What does that mean? Its whole purpose is to reconnect and be one with God. Okay. So you have this driving force within you that is goal is self-annihilation. If you want to, if we want to call a spade a spade, right? Like here we are with this godly soul, but it doesn't, all it wants to do is to continue to reconnect with God because God is its source. So um, that is really kind of crazy. You have two, right? We talked about last time. We have two opposing forces inside of us. One that at all costs, it will do whatever it needs to do to stay alive. And one is going to do whatever it needs to do to make sure that it doesn't have a self entity. It doesn't have a self identity. Okay. This is what we have going on inside of us. Okay. So this, this godly soul wants to just cease to exist. It wants to reconnect with Hashem. Um, and it really, 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 we, it doesn't want to have its own self. Now, what, what is the thing that separates us from the oneness of God? What actually prohibits and prevents us from reconnecting with Hashem? What is it that does that? And um, by the way, you can always answer questions in the chat box or if even if you want to unmute, that's totally fine with me. Um, and this is my fate. Like I heard this, I think from Chase Taub and it always stuck with me because it's really fascinating. And it's so true. It's just like quick and easy. Ego. What separates us from reconnecting with Hashem? Ego. How, what, what does ego stand for? Edging God out, okay? So that's like a little quick like acronym that helps us just like remember that when we have an ego, when we operate out of the sense of self and the sense of our animalistic soul, that is exactly what prevents us from being godly and reconnecting with Hashem. Because when we have a self, and the bigger the self is, the less room there is for God, right? How do we make room for God is by having some nullification, having some, you know, bitzel is what I want to use in Hebrew, but some 
you know, a little bit of humbleness, you know, just we can't make space for other people if we don't allow that space to exist, right? And that works with even relationships as well, right? How do you make room to have a relationship with someone? You cannot have a relationship with someone if it's all about you. Of course, it's important to meet your needs and make sure you're not having an unhealthy relationship. But in order to even accept somebody else in your life, you need to make space. It's the same with God. In or like, why is God any different, right? It, you, you, you can't expect to have a relationship with God if you're not making space for him. So in order to make space for Hashem, you need to, in order to have a relationship with Hashem, you need to make space. So here we are. Um, that the fact that the godly soul is all about selflessness and 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 reuniting with Hashem. The thing that gets in the way of that is our animal soul, which is all about the ego and self-preservation and making sure we still exist and we're still alive. Now, I also want to make very clear that this selfishness um, actually is not necessarily um, like a brute, you know, you know, vile thing. Like you can actually. Selfishness can go to the point of like um, looking for the meaning of life, searching for the meaning of life, right? Searching for the meaning of life for, so you can understand better why you do the things you do is a very, very good thing, but it still fall, falls under the category of self, selfishness. It still falls under the category because you want to understand why we're here, why we do what we do, so it makes you feel better. And, and let's take it a step further. It's very interesting, like in, in any other religion um, or anything for that matter, we always wanna understand why do we do the things that we do, right? We're human. We wanna understand why we do the things we do. The problem is, is that in Judaism, I hope I'm going to make sense when I say this, but in Judaism, the, the, re, the core reason why we do things the way that we do and why we do these things at all is because that's what Hashem wants, right? Like we don't always get an answer. Like we can, it, it's important to learn. It's important. God wants us to ask questions. He wants us to understand as much to our ability why we do the things that we do. But in its essence, we are eventually going to hit a wall. We're eventually going to get to a part of the Torah or a part of the mitzvahs or something that we're supposed to be doing. And we're going to eventually hit a wall and we're not going to understand why we're doing it. Because we're limited human beings with limited capacity of, of, intellect, of limited intellectual capacity. So yes, we can learn as much as we can. We can understand as much as we can. It's important for us to find the connection to Hashem and to find what sparks joy, right? But we have to be prepared that eventually we're gonna hit this wall that we're not gonna understand why, right? And what is beneath that? What happens when we hit that wall and we don't understand why we're doing the things we're doing? We fall back on faith. What's faith? Faith is we're doing this because Hashem wants us to. And he chose us as his nation. And he gave us this book that tells us how to live our lives and how to create a place for God in this world and how to elevate this world, right? That's the bottom line. So this is a uniquely Jewish thing. Okay, this is something that doesn't really exist in any other culture or any other um, religion, because if you ask other religions or culture, like, why are you a good person? Because you want to affect change, because you, you want to be able to live with yourself, because you want to make be a, be a better person. You want to, you know, all the myriads of reasons why we do things. But in Judaism, yes, all those things still exist, but it's not the core of who we are. The core of who we are is that we were born Jews. You can't wish it away like once you're in you're in like too bad on you oh my goodness i'm so sorry i'm getting a phone call um so this is this is who we are so it's kind of like i don't know if this example is going to land well it kind of helped me but it's almost like if you're a mom and somebody asks you like why do you feed your kids like what's going to be the answer to that like of course i feed my kids like what do you like what answer are you looking for like of course so they grow so they're healthy whatever but 
guys, if we don't feed our kids, they're not going to exist. Right? So it's the same thing. It's like, why do you serve Hashem? We can have a discussion about why we serve Hashem. We can have a discussion of what makes us, you know, what lights us up and what, you know, encourages us and what motivates us. But if we get to the core of it, why do we serve Hashem? It's because we were chosen to and Hashem wants us to. So this is a very uniquely Jewish thing. And this um, comes from our soul because where does our soul come from? Okay, our soul is um, its instinct and its drive is to do God's will. Okay, so um, why, why? Because our soul is a piece of God. Our soul is a piece of God. Now, if you look into the the Chumash and you um, read about creation, how was the world created? Through what? Through speech, right? Hashem said, let there be light, and there was light. Hashem said, let there be plants, and there was plants. How did Hashem give us our soul? He blew the soul into us through our nostrils. He blew our soul into us. What, what is more a part of you? What takes more effort or energy speaking or blowing? Like if you, have you ever like blow, like blow a ton of balloons, right? Like you can't do that forever, right? You, you, you end up getting tired because it's coming from your, it's coming from your core, your essence. Speaking, you, you know, you could speak forever. Like you could just talk and talk and talk and never stop. So what another, another, um, uh, like, uh, what's what I'm looking for? The, another, like, I guess, proof that the soul is such a part of Hashem is that he blew it into us from his essence. So, um, the soul basically you are an ex you your soul your you are an expression of godliness your soul within you is an expression of godliness so where does exactly our soul come from our soul comes from this place called chachma ila'a which is um, the divine intellect what is chachma ila'a chachma ila'a is the highest source of something that's not God. Okay. So, or, or that's an expression of God. Our soul's source is Chachma Eli. It comes from this, basically God himself. And what happens? So how does, what's the journey of our soul? What, obviously our soul cannot come from Chachma Eli and plop right into our bodies. What ha- has to happen is there has to be um, this journey, right? This journey of a descending. So the soul and we, um, we're going to talk about this later, but the soul journeys through these four other worlds that, that exist. And each one, um, sorry, there's a hair in my mouth. Um, each one is closer to God than the next. And so let's say we're coming from Chachmila, the soul journeys through these worlds. What happens when the soul journeys through these worlds? It has some wear and tear, right? And, and then it lands into our brain. So I guess the question could be, like if our soul all come from the same source, why are there different like levels of people? Like how come there's people who are more spiritual, less spiritual? First, and never mind that. What about generations, right? Like if you look back at like the generation, like Moshe, Moses's generation, or even ten generations before us they're on different levels, right? So how is there discrepancies between generations? And within generations, how is there a discrepancy between people if our souls are all coming from the same source? So um, the Tanya tells us that basically, it's like, yes, the souls are coming from the same source, but some souls are on an express train and some souls are on the local train. Okay, the express train goes like from the top to the bottom with very little stops. Who would that be? Who's who would be an example of someone who has a soul that's on the express train? A tzaddik, right? 
it's it's coming so much from the source it doesn't have a lot of intervention and a lot of of, of wear and tear before it goes into the body so uh tzaddik is like someone who has a soul with on the express train a, a soul that stops at every local stop right gets affected by that and has more wear and tear and those are the souls that come into all the regular people now and every single soul gets off at a different stop so even on the local train, different souls are going to have different wear and tear and different things that affect them or different challenges because every soul is getting off at, the, at a different stop. So yes, bottom line, we are all from the same source. And in chapter 32, when we talk about Avas Yisrael and we talk about how we need to love our fellow as ourselves, that's going to be the main idea of if I'm a soul, you're a soul, like what makes like, of course, we love each other, but we'll get there at chapter 32. But yes, we are all from the same source. So don't think another thing is don't think you can go around and judge somebody else's journey, because you have no idea where their soul stopped. And even more so, eventually, we all come from the same source. So it's, I think uh, the Tanya talks a lot about, about, uh, you know, knowing where your soul comes from, knowing your challenges, knowing for ourselves, we're never, ever, ever supposed to apply that information to somebody else. We, it's important for us to know where we stand and who we are, because it's good for our self-character development, but never to apply to somebody else and be like, hmm, this person, you know, at least I'm doing better than that person or because we never know what the other person's challenge is and we never know the capacity of that person's soul. So we have the soul, it comes from the same source. Some souls go on an express train, some souls are on a local train. But bottom line is, is that they all come from this chachma ila'a, which is this, this highest source possible of anything to come from, okay? So um, what else does that help us with when we know that the soul is all coming from the same source? One second, let me read a question. Okay, very good question. Um, is that, is it that our soul gets covered with layers through the process of descending or the actual soul gets affected? Okay, um, actually chapter three, we're gonna talk about the clothing that surrounds the soul. And we're gonna talk about what affects the clothing and what are the clothing that are around the soul. Um, I can double check, but I think that the soul itself is being affected by the journey. It doesn't affect the source, okay? But it, the soul itself, yes, we all have the same source, but we don't all have the same soul. We, we don't all have the same challenges. We don't have the same mission in life, right? If, if the soul, wasn't getting affected by our journey, then what would differentiate us between everyone else's mission in life, everyone else's challenges, everyone else's tendencies, right? So I do think, and I'll double check just to make sure I'm not totally off, but I do think it's our soul itself that's actually getting affected by the wear and tear. Because if it wasn't our soul itself, then we would all necessarily have the potential to be a tzaddik, right? It was, because if it's, even if, if it's just the surrounding things in our soul, if we uncover those surroundings and uh, those those um, clothing that our soul has the potential, but our souls don't all have the potential to be at sadiks, which makes me believe that our actual soul is being affected by this journey. Okay, so the other way that um, we need to look at the fact that we all have a soul from the same source and we're all coming from the same place, and yes, there's different souls with different powers and energies is like this. Um, the Jewish people really, we're one collective body, okay? We, uh, us as Jewish people, we're one collective body with a lot of different limbs and organs, okay? Now, um, if you take DNA from your toenail and you take DNA from your spinal fluid or your brain, you're gonna have the same DNA, right? Does the toenail and that brain serve the same purpose? No, but it's from the same source. So what does that mean? That means that every generation 
has a soul, that's the tzaddik, that's the head of the generation, okay? And the rest of the Jewish population makes up different parts of the body, okay? Some people might be the arm, whatever, all, all the different types of, of, of people that create one unit, okay? So when we have, now remember, we all have the same DNA. And I love that example because it's like, yes, the, the toenails, you know, not necessarily, you know, is not as important as the brain necessarily, but we all have the same DNA. And there is, the, there's a reason that we have tzaddikim. There's a reason why we have a tzaddik of a generation. And we're gonna explain why, okay? So, Sometimes we have difficulty connecting with Hashem, okay? I'm gonna talk for myself as an example. I'm the, the toenail, right? I'm all the way down at the bottom. I live my mundane life. All the challenges are getting in my way. And it's very hard for me to remember. And I'm, by the way, when I'm giving this example, like this is actually reality. This is my life. This is what I'm, I'm talking to you, telling you what, what goes through my head. Um, it's really hard for me in my day-to-day -day life with all my challenges, right? Everyone has their challenges, my challenges with, um, you know, the, the needs of my children, the, the challenges of COVID, uh, the challenges, any challenge you, you can mean, right? And I get caught up in my day-to-day -day life. And I really, really don't remember that I have a godly soul. That happens to me very often. I'm so caught up in survival. What's, who's the soul that manages survival? Our animal soul. I'm so caught up in survival that it's, I'm disconnected. Okay. So how it, sometimes it feels like it's so far away. Like I can't reach God. Like there's, there's, it's too far for me to even relate and I'm disconnected. So um, what do I do? So what does Hashem um, allow for us? What does he create for us to be able to connect? He creates a leader, a leader in every generation that collectively, per, by the way, has a piece of all of our souls and he is more connected to Hashem. So what happens is, is that I then can connect to the leader who's gonna help me connect to Hashem. Now, I want to make a very, very important um, differentiation and discussion because this leader is not like a medium becoming in between God and us. That would be idolatry. That would be, you know, totally against what the Torah wants. What happens is, is that this, this leader is our, it's our, it's our like connection. And I'm going to explain why. Let's say you, um, you have a cup of water that's out of reach. Okay. And you ask somebody next to you to pass you the cup of water, okay? That is an outside somebody who is now passing you the cup of water that allows you, like you're, it's too far to reach the water. It allows you to connect with the water, okay? That is not what we're saying. It's not what we're saying because that's an outside entity who's now coming in between your relationship between you and Hashem, and that is not okay. What we're saying is because what did we say before? That the whole Jewish people is one body. The whole body has to work together. So when you connect to a tzaddik um, to enhance your relationship with Hashem, it is asking your right hand to pass it to your left hand. And that is not an intermediary or outside source because it's part of the same body. So let's say you're sitting here and it's too far for your right hand to reach the cup of water. So your brain tells your left hand to pass it to your right hand. And that allows you to get closer and to connect with the actual cup of water. So it's not an outside source that's coming to then be the person you're praying to, right? We're not praying to, a, we never pray to a tzaddik. 
right? We pray for a tzaddik to help us connect to Hashem and be the catalyst for some blessing, right? Because it's part of the same body. He's our head. So we're just asking the part of our body that's closer to Hashem to facilitate our godly experience when we feel like we're the toenail and we're so far. Okay, so I want to pause here and, and ask if anybody has any questions so far. Feel free to, to chat or to, to unmute yourself. Are we good? Okay, if you have a question that comes up, then we I will address it. And um, there actually one second, there was one question that I couldn't answer before. Let me see if I can get to it. Okay. Okay, yeah, so someone actually gave a nice little quote here. As I heard a rabbi once explain it as such, sometimes we just do things because they make Hashem happy. The example he gave was walking in the market and seeing beautiful flowers, his wife's favorite, in fact. So he brought them for her because they make her happy. He still doesn't know why those are exactly her favorite. And he compared that to why we do what we do to please Hashem. Great analogy, right? We do things for people and we know they like them, but we don't always have to know why those are her favorite flowers or why we're doing the things we do. We just know that they love them. So that's actually a very relatable example to what we were saying before about sometimes we're gonna hit a wall of whether we understand what Hashem wants for us or not. Okay, a quick summary. I'm a little confused by the, by the second part of the analogy. The second part of the analogy of the cup is that what we're talking about? Okay, quick overview. Let's start from the beginning. Here we are, we're discussing our godly soul. Our godly soul, um, what's his drive? Our godly soul's drive is to basically not exist, to connect with Hashem, selflessness, okay? As opposed to selfishness. We, under, we, we wanna understand like, what is our godly soul? Where does it come from? Our godly soul comes from the highest source of God. You can't get any higher than that. If our soul is from the highest source, how do we have discrepancies in generations, discrepancies within a generation? How come there's different types of people? If, we all, if our soul comes from the same source, we know we talked about, we have the express train and the local train. The express train usually are the tzaddikim, the souls that are less tainted, less have less wear and tear, and the local train are the souls that have more wear and tear. We then said, not only that, the Jewish people are all a collective whole. We're a unit, we are one. How are we one? We all come from the same source, no matter which, where you're gonna take DNA from a body, it's always gonna be the same DNA. No matter which soul you test, it's always gonna come from the same source of God. But we said, sometimes we feel like the toenail and we're disconnected and we need help connecting to Hashem. And the tzaddik is the, the reason why Hashem created a tzaddik in every generation is so it helps us connect to Hashem. Why? Because it's a little closer, like the cup of water. If you can't reach a cup of water with your one hand, your other hand can reach the cup of water. Why is that not idolatry? Why is that okay? It's because it's, this, it's you. It's an extension of you that's getting closer to the cup of water. And it's passing it to the other part of you. It's one whole. It's not an outside source handing you the cup of water and interfering your in, into your relationship with Hashem. Did that make it a little more clear? Are you with me? Okay, perfect. So um, every, every Jew has a godly soul. And every godly soul purpose and um, drive is getting in touch with Hashem, right? We all, and not only that, we all have a godly soul and we all want to get in touch with it. Sometimes we're not in touch with our godly soul. So in order to get in touch with our godly soul, um, we have the opportunity to connect to a tzaddik that helps us get in touch with our godly soul. Okay, um, how does one know a potential leader is a true tzaddik? 
you know, I don't know. I think, I think it's, I guess for me, I think it's pretty, it could be very clear. I think there's some tzaddikim that are world leaders and are worldly recognized as a leader. And I think you'll find that there's tzaddikim or at least very, very, very high benonis that um, are not as well known and not as publicized, but you connect with and that you admire. And I wanna take it a step further because I think that yes, in every generation, there's a leader that it, the leader's soul, what's the leader's sole job? The leader's sole job is to connect us with our own, if, okay. If it's a true leader, what does he do? What is a true leader doing? He's getting, helping you get in touch with your own potential. That's how you know it's a true leader, right? He's empowering you. How do we know it's a cult, right? When you lose, when you lose your sense of self and it just becomes serving this person, right? A true leader is somebody who's going to help you tap into your own potential, your own power, get in touch with your own soul. Yes, there's been many false tzaddikim on purpose. That was God's vision for some reason, right? And uh, the vision is, okay, well, how do we differentiate that? And usually false tzaddikim have signs, right? There are signs that they're not on the up and up. Whether we can tap into those signs, whether we see those signs, or whether we're swept up with the crowd, we're still responsible for that. No false prophet or false tzaddik didn't have the signs that were making it questionable, okay? But I wanna take this tzaddik thing a step further. Not only do we necessarily have to connect to the tzaddik of the generation to help us with our potential, our spiritual potential, you can have your, and the Rebbe actually said this, have a mashpia, right? Have someone that is, part of your spiritual guidance, right? Have someone that you connect to that helps unlock your potential. Every single person needs that. Um, my team, I'm gonna give you a personal example because this is a really real part of my life right now that I'm really, really in it immensely. So my teenager, she's 16. Um, we adopted her when she was 12. She did not come from a religious background. So having her integrate into Yiddishkeit and the Jewish um, way of life was definitely a challenge. She definitely embraced it, wanted it, whatever. But as you know, as teenagers grow, they, I don't know, I feel like they do it just to make you mad, but they're, they're struggling and they're, they're not sure of how they feel spiritually, right? They're figuring it out. And um, what it looks like in my teenager is that she's going through the motions but she's not learning. She doesn't go to a Jewish school. She's not learning. She's not doing anything of her own volition to foster her godly spark and her spirituality. Um, she's doing the minimum, like she's keeping Shabbos. She's being modest to a certain extent, keeping kosher, but kind of that's all that I see. So we had this conversation, um, this intense conversation Friday night about many things. And I casually mentioned to her, I said, well, how do you feel spiritually? Like, where are you at in your spiritual journey? Right? Like, I don't know, whatever. I said, well, um, she's like, well, I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, right? And I said, I just want you to think about this one thing. It is impossible to foster a connection with God um, and to feel a connection with God and to feel a spiritual connection if you don't pay it any attention right? Nothing grows when you ignore it. In order for something to grow like a relationship, you need to pay attention to it and you need to give it some attention and you need to love and you need to like feed it, right? So if we're not feeding it, right? If you're not connecting to it in any way and you're just going through the motions because that's the boundaries of our household, it's going to be very, very hard to maintain your spiritual connection to Judaism. And what happens when you go to college and you leave the house and you're on your own, what are you going to fall back on? Okay. So I can't tell her and it wouldn't be very productive if I said, 
in the morning, I want to see you praying and I want to see you dominating and I want to, you know, and I want to, and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to learn with you. You know, that's not going to, that's not, that wasn't the point of my conversation and that's not going to help. But what I wanted her to start to understand is that anything that you value, anything that you appreciate or anything that you want to grow needs attention. Nothing is just out. Basically I was saying like, you you cannot put your Judaism and your connection with God on cruise control. Like you're not, it's not, you're not going to have the foundation that you need when the tides are rough. So this is something that we need to foster. We need to pay attention. We need to facilitate our connection with Hashem. Now, sometimes a tzaddik in our generation is not even, that's not even accessible to us, right? That's too far, right? How are you going to connect? Who's a tzaddik? What tzaddik do I, do I connect with? You know, those are things that can be really difficult. It can be out of touch and out of reach. So that's why we, that's why we put in place, like who's our spiritual mentor, right? It doesn't have to be a tzaddik. It just has to be someone who understands who you are and helps you fulfill your potential. So when you're in a spiritual crisis, you're not necessarily going to the tzaddik of the generation. You can pray, you can ask for like some kind of divine intervention to help you, which I walk around doing that all the time. But um, if you want something more practical, you're going to go to your more immediate spiritual mentor and then tap into, you know, how do you foster this relationship with Hashem? Does this make sense to anybody? <laughs> um, I hope so. Okay. So that is actually what the, the, remember we are taking a bird's eye view on the Tanya. Like if I were to go inside with every verse and with every, you know, word and paragraph, we would never finish. Um, and there's always more and more to delve into, but if we're taking the bird's eye view of chapter two, and obviously maybe when this is all over, we want to go and do it again in more depth, but the bird's eye view, if you were, if I were to summarize what I, you know, what this chapter is about, it's about our godly soul, where it comes from, how it gets from point A to point B, right? We're on the train from point A to point B. Why there are leaders and tzaddikim in this world? Because we are a collective whole and we um, sometimes need to connect with the part of our body that's a little closer to the source, okay? And that is the, the one and only role of a tzaddik, right? To keep the generation that he's in charge of together. And, um, and the fact that our godly soul comes in second, this is a side point, but I think it's very important. So we, we are treat ourselves with kindness is that our godly soul comes in second. It doesn't really integrate into our body till we're 12 or 13. Okay. So what does that mean? Practically is that our animal soul has a 12 or 13 year um, head start. Okay. So when we find ourselves struggling to be spiritual, struggling, I don't know if spiritual is the right word, but struggling to connect with Hashem, struggling to tap into our godly soul, it's for a good reason it's because God made it hard for us. He gave our animal soul such a huge start that we actually feel we, we relate and connect more to our animal soul than we do to our godly soul. And that's by design. Okay, so here we are. We now, chapter two, what do we know? What do we know at the end of chapter two? We know that there's three categories of people, okay? We know that we have two souls. We know that one soul is abject selflessness and the other soul is abject selflessness. What does that create in our bodies? Conflict, okay? We're walking conflict, okay? So, we understand that our animal soul comes into our body first. Our godly soul comes in second. Where does our godly soul come from? Chachmailah, our highest, highest, highest source of that anything can come from. It travels down different modes, travels down. Some souls are more worn than others um, into, our, into our bodies, which are only fully integrated when we're 12 or 13. How do we connect with our godly soul? We tap into that through ourselves, number one, don't ever discount yourself, right? Remember, we all have the same DNA, but sometimes if we feel like it's too out of reach for ourselves to reach and connect with Hashem, we use 
the tzaddik of the generation because he's a little closer. And my own two cents, this is not official, um, uh, but my own two cents is that sometimes even the tzaddik of the generation feels unattainable and is too far. Then who do you go to, who do you lean on for spiritual support? Find a spiritual mentor, right? Find that person that is going to help you reach your potential. And my other own two cents is that you cannot expect something to grow and to, to, to be valuable and, and have a proper relationship if you don't feed it and pay attention to it. So don't expect all of a sudden to feel the spark of, of godliness and spirituality without doing anything about it, right? So for every person that looks different, you need to feed your connection, you need to feed your soul. And that means pay it a little attention. Okay, are you ready for our meditation? Get comfortable. <clears throat> okay, take a big deep breath in. In through your nose, out through your mouth. When you feel comfortable, close your eyes. And as you breathe these deep breaths that you're doing in through your nose, out through your mouth, I want you to focus on your lungs filling with air. Notice where in the body you feel the breath. It could be in your chest. It could be in your stomach. It could be in your shoulders. Where are you feeling your breath? Notice the natural rhythm of your breath. Is it short? Is it long? deep, shallow, just observe it, don't change it. Rest your mind on the rising and falling sensation of your breath. And I want you to try, it's a little hard, but I want you to try to rather than your mind leading your breath, let your breath lead your mind. So don't allow your mind to dictate how you should be breathing, but just let your breath kind of let your mind go where it needs to go and sit with that for a minute. Okay, now I want you to bring your attention to these few thoughts I want you to go home with and I want you to think about during the week. Your divine soul is literally a piece of God. God is more present in your soul than in any other part of the universe. If you're looking for God, look within yourself. And that's where he's at. Your divine soul is rooted in the very same place as any righteous soul that ever lived. Okay. Our source is all the same. And your divine soul can be nourished through attachment to Jewish leaders who help you discover your inner connection to Hashem. Remember, a true leader is going to help you tap into your inner connection, not their connection, your inner connection and your potential. So basically, 
we are walking around with a literal piece of God within us. So sometimes when we feel so lost and we're searching for God, take a minute and search within yourself. Okay. Now slowly bring your attention back to your breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Now let your mind go where it wants to go. Let it think about whatever it wants to think about, what, wherever it takes you. And it probably will not be connected to Tanya class, which is fine. Okay. When you feel ready, just kind of be aware of some of the sensations around you, smells, sounds, and then gently open your eyes. Okay, how are we feeling? Yeah, unmute yourself. I wanna hear you. <laughs> okay, any other, we have, Amazing. I, I love that. It's still calming. Great to have you. Thank centering. you. My camera is broken, but it was great. Okay, good. I'm so happy. Um, I told you we won't go past an hour. We, we have five minutes. If you have any questions, we can do that. If not, always, like I said, always before, always feel free to reach out um, with any questions. The recording will be on YouTube, hopefully accessible tonight. And anything else? It was wonderful. Thank you so much. Beautiful, Javi. Thank you. Thank you. I hope I hope any of this, you know, landed and you felt connected. And um, I really look forward to seeing you guys next week. Thank you. This is the highlight Thank of my week. <laughs> I love the imagery. Bye, everyone. Bye. Love you all. See you soon. Thank you.